Happy Fourth Weekend. Yeah, has it been good? You had fun? You hot? <laughs> We're going to actually preach the message that I had last week, learning to express worship God's way. And uh, man, as I begin, I just want to start by, uh, you know, just saying that we come from so many different traditions and uh, uh, that we're all coming from this from a, from a different place. And um, I love the whole tone of the worship. I, I know they changed the Michael can't sing. He's got voice issues and, you know, I had to change all the songs this morning and God just arranged all that. And it's pretty amazing. After first service, Michael was weeping just because of what the Lord had put together and and, and how he did it. And, uh, you know, just about us, our breakthrough and our belief and our, our, our coming to God um, is our praise and thanksgiving for what he's going to do before he does it. And, and that is somewhat of a definition of faith. But I just want to say that oftentimes when I, when I hear people walk in faith, it's almost as if they're in denial, and um, I don't, I don't think we have to be in denial to walk in faith. You know, um, it's not stick your head in the sand and act like it ain't so. It's just not that. It is acknowledging your situation, and then beginning to praise God for victory before victory happens. You know, it's an acknowledgement of this is. You know, the facts are. You know, you name the facts. I've got cancer. I've got a financial issue. I've got whatever. But the truth is, I've got a healer. I've got a provider. I've got a, I've got, I've got a, 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 a wisdom giver. You know, and I'm going to stand here and praise him until I get victory. And. Uh, that's what God wants us to do as we express our worship. And so as we delve into this, um, into this topic, uh, the thing that I want to get across to you is it, it's, this is not a corporate thing that begin to, can be done. It, it is something that you've got to begin to explore individually. How many of you would say that I need to learn how to express my worship God's way better? Any, anybody in the room would say with the pastor that I want to learn how to express worship God's way better. Um, and to do that, I'm going to have to learn on an individual basis. Now, there is a theory and this, um, this MO, this way of doing that people think that they can get in, in, in a crowd of people who are doing it the way God asks and it actually rub off on them. And that, it doesn't work that way. In other words, you can't be around a bunch of people who are worshiping the way God asks and you not be doing it and expect to receive what God has for you, you've actually got to engage because the whole purpose of God wanting you to worship Him is so that He can have relationship with you. I mean, He's not this needy God. He, he's not a needy God. He's not. He, he doesn't have emotional issues <laughs> that require you to worship Him for Him to feel good about Himself. Right? 
He, he wants to worship you. I mean, he wants you to worship him so that you can get to know him. How many of you know that it's hard to praise somebody you don't know? Have you ever thought about seeing a total stranger and then trying to begin to praise them for who they are when you don't know them? And God said, hey, hey, worship is about this. Praise is about this. This breakthrough that's coming in your life. It's coming about you having confidence and trust in my ability to actually solve your issues. And you believing that I've already done it because I did it at the cross, I provided a way, and I made all these promises in a way that, that this already is available to you. But what you've got to do is you've actually got to get in touch with me and worship and, and get my instruction and then begin to proceed the way I tell you to so you can get breakthrough. You see, God wants you to break through in every situation you got. He wants breakthrough in every situation you got. But he wants you to deal with him individually to bring that breakthrough. <laughs> if you've been around the charismatic church very long, you've probably done a Jericho march. Anybody done a Jericho march in the room? All right, anybody really done a Jericho march? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have. All you hyper-charismatics, raise your hand right now. Okay, what that means is, you know, uh, God's instruction was, you know, march around the city six days silently, which was very important. And on the seventh day, shout. And, and they did that. They did it well. They did it with obedience. And on the seventh day, they shouted, and the walls of Jericho came down, and, and, they, and they pummeled the city, and they began to take over the promised land. Well, what we do is we say, hey, I got a good idea. Let's do the Jericho march, and let's shout this thing down. Now, that can be done very positively because the Lord can speak to you, and we've done that, and I've, I've done it. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's what I want to encourage you. The Lord didn't run out of ideas at Jericho. <laughs> he actually wants to speak to you as on an individual basis to give you instruction of how to get breakthrough in your particular circumstances. Because what he's looking for is that relationship with you. And so as we learn what God asks us to do in worship, I want you to come at it from that position. The, from this position that I, I need to, to, to get better in my intimacy with the Lord, I need to learn how to walk through and break through in my worship so that I begin to have victory after victory after victory after victory. And, and I, I want people to agree with me in prayer, but I want it to come because I'm praising the Lord and giving thanks for what He's already done before I see anything happen. And I want to learn how to do that. I described to you last week a lot of different ways that the Lord's teaching me, and he's still teaching me to this day on how to do that. So to, to get into this message, so I make sure I preach it this week, let's look at Psalm 149.6. If you've got your Bibles, open to Psalm 149. If you've got your Bibles, I'm, I'm going to stop putting it up on the thing so you bring your Bibles. <laughs> Psalm 149. I want to hear pages turn. That's what I want everybody, somebody do. Yeah, thank you. Psalm 149. Listen, listen to what it says. Man, you can circle some of this stuff. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. It's interesting. And his praise in the assembly of saints. In other words, sing a new song in the assembly of the saints. That means a song that's never been sung before. That means your song. That means thanksgiving and praise is coming from your heart. It's, it's overwhelming you. It's, 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 it's going to, it's got to come out. I got I to gotta praise the Lord. Now, 
just want to bring to your attention in this moment, for those of you who have grandkids, all you have to do is mention grandkids and praise begins to come from your lips. You, you say, oh, you, I mean, you ought to see my grandkid today. You go back there. He's got a nice little haircut. He's got on his nice little suit with straps on his you know, spinners on, and he'll, he'll pose for you if you want him to with his nice little do. I mean, he's way above average grandchild. <laughs> you know? We can could, we could praise our grandkids. We can praise our kids. I mean, it's hard to praise your kid when he's running the first base without doing something verbally. Way to go, good hip, up, 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 you know? Run, 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 go, good, way to go, da, 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 da. Right? We can do that naturally because we love them and we're passionate about it. And God's saying, right here, Praise me in the congregation with this song that's going to come out of your mouth just like you would your kid if he's running the first base. That's his desire for us. That's what he's asking for. And, and he says, do that. Let all the church rejoice in their maker. Let the church be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the Tambourine and harp. Now, we can't bring tambourines because that mic right there is actually putting in the ears of the worship team. And so if we start shaking a tambourine here, it'll mess them up. Justin Clark won't be able to play any drums. But in certain situations, that would be a great thing to have as a tambourine. It says, bring the harp for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will, he will beautify the humble with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. You know, the thing that I've discovered and the thing that's hard for me and the thing that's hard for most Christians is I hear uh, that it's just difficult to praise the Lord with your own mouth. I don't know why this. You know, you hear people and they say, well, it's hard for me to pray. If you can't communicate with God, it's certainly hard to praise him with your mouth, you know? Especially in a, in a posture and position of worship. You, you know, just to, just to begin to, to, to talk to God with your own mouth. He expects you to do it. And so, as we go forward, I want you to understand a decision I made and what God's his church is that I decided a long time ago, if I'd read it in the Bible... I was going to do it. And we come from all kinds of different, different places in our upbringing in church. So what I'm asking you to do this morning to begin to learn to express worship God's way is to understand that, that the starting place for that is ground zero. It is it's giving God a blank sheet of paper and asking God what he wants. What do you, what do you want in worship, Lord? You need to examine your traditions based on the Word of God. You need to discover the Father's design for worship. You see, we have to understand that, that, that in the Old Testament, and all the words we're going to discuss, uh, talk about today, they were, they, were, they were designed by God. They were God saying, here's how I want you to worship. And the reason he was saying, this is how I want you to worship, is because that's the way worship happens in heaven. And so what he's saying, when I designed the tabernacle in this, in this way of worship, I'm designing it on earth as it is in heaven. He's designing it on earth as it is in heaven, and he wants us to join in that. And so you don't have to get to heaven and be shocked by the worship 
By the way, every place in Scripture that describes heavenly worship, it's loud. I just want you to know. It's very loud. It says the sound like an earthquake. It sounds like it sounds like waves. It sounds like a mighty wind. You know, like a hurricane or a tornado. If you've ever heard that kind of thing, I mean, it's it's loud. The description of heavenly worship is loud, and so we can we can be used to that kind of thing here on earth. We haven't got to get there and be surprised. Now, here's what I want you to understand: God's way of worship isn't what you're comfortable with. You know, you hear so many people say over and over again, well, I'm comfortable with this way of worship. Well, I'm really not comfortable doing that. You know, it makes me uncomfortable to lift my hands in church. You know, I'm just really not comfortable with singing a, a song to God, a new song to God. I'm just, I'm just not very comfortable with that. <laughs> I don't see anywhere in Scripture where God says, if you're comfortable, <laughs> lift your hands, all you people. I mean, if you're comfortable with that, I mean, I don't want you to go out of your way. But if you could just raise your hands to me in an international act of surrender, that would be nice. But if you're not comfortable, go find you a place where nobody does that so you can be comfortable. Doesn't sound like God, does it? So, so, sounds difficult. And so when I'm looking at all this, i got to say, Lord, you know, I don't have a clue. I don't know. I know what I grew up with, but I want to discover what you're asking me to do. And I want to be willing to do that because when we start thinking about God's power and God's hand to bring victory in situations, what well, we have to understand that the only way that happens is through obedience. And it happens through obedience and worship. You see, there's this false gospel going around today that says that you can live any way you want to live and God loves you so much that his hand will always be on you if you're a kid, if you're his kid. And that's just not, that's just not true. There always requires obedience. He, he, says, he says to us, he says, I lay before you. This is our freedom they're having God. I, I love this. This is freedom. He says, I lay before you today blessing and curses. You choose. That's your freedom. Your freedom is you can pick up either one. Or you cannot pick, you know, if you don't pick up God's way, what you do is you pick up captivity. When you refuse to do it God's way, what you're doing is you're actually imprisoning yourself into the place where God's hand didn't on something. In other words, when something bad is going on in your life, when, when life is, you're struggling and things are happening and you need breakthrough, if you're unwilling to do it the way God asked you to, you can't expect breakthrough. But if you choose to do it his way and align with him and believe, come to him with, with praise and thanksgiving into his courts, with praise and thanksgiving, you come there expecting what God already did to be done, it'll be done on earth as it is in heaven. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added unto you. There's, a, there's, this, there's this posture and position that he wants us to be in, and that comes through obedience, even in worship. So his design for worship is a place of humility. It's a place where you realize you can do nothing without God. 
You can do nothing without him. His design is a place of love and not duty. You know, you're, you're, not, you're not coming to God and saying, all right, God, you asked me to do this, so I guess I'm going to do it because I need your hand. I need you to move in this situation. So I'm just going to do what you asked me to do and get it over with. Probably won't bear much fruit. But if you come to him, you say, Lord, I love you. I, I, I love who you are. Man, I, I want to be like you. I, I want to look like you more and more every day. God, I come to you because I love you and I want to be a bit. Now, that's the place that God wants you to come. I, I love you and I have this desire for you. And I don't come to you out of duty. His design is love, not duty. His design is also to come with him with expectation and dependence. God wants you to depend on him. He says that you can do nothing without him. You can do nothing without him. And so he says, listen, come to me in humility. Come to me out of love with expectation and dependence. Also, come to me out of obedience and the fear of the Lord. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Come to me knowing that I hold your destiny in my hand. Come to me knowing that before time began, I knew you. Before you came out of your mother's womb, I had a plan for you. And I've, I, I've got a design for you. But you've got to come to me for that design to actually be carried out. You've got you've to administrate my design. And so it's important that we understand that we have to come to God out of obedience. Worship has all kinds of forms, though. It's not just corporate worship. It's a lifestyle. And so we have to worship God in our families, in how we lead our families. You know, I see, I see so many people that don't do this very well. You know, they, they compartmentalize what worship is. Let me give you an example. I heard a story of a worship leader one time, and she said, well, i got to take off my worship leader hat and put on my mom's hat, my mom hat now. Well, why would you take your worship leader hat off to put on a mom's? Why don't you keep your worship leader's hat on and be a mom? You know, you, you, you never take that off because you can't be a dad and you can't be a mom. You can't be a husband. You can't be a brother or a sister or a leader of any kind without taking, with, by, by taking your worship leader hat off. You've got you to stay in a mode. It's a lifestyle. You've got to worship the Lord in everything you do because you realize you can do nothing without him. You have this expectation that you need God in everything, including work. You know, most people, especially this generation, they, they go to work and they go, oh, when I, I can't wait to get this over with. Can't wait to get this over with so I can go do what I want to do. When, when, when the creative image of God is displayed in our work, and if we come about it the right way, we, we, people can see the creative image of God in our, in our work and how we treat people and how our work ethic and what we get accomplished and how creative we are in the workplace. You know, employers are looking for people who will look for things to do or look for creative ways to make things better in the workplace and do them well. You know, God says it like this. He says, don't just go to work. Work as unto 
the Lord. It's an act of worship to go to work. So, so even though we're about to go over eight ways to express corporate worship, I don't want you to compartmentalize and say, this is not, you can't do this anywhere else. Because I'm telling you, there are times if you'll just worship the Lord at work, it'll be what, what's needed. If you'll pay attention to the Holy Spirit, if, if you'll just be guided by God all day long, you're going to find that he will use you to minister to people like crazy. As you, as you worship him and go. But there are eight ways that I'm about to go over here that, and there are more, they're not limited to eight, but th these are some, some pretty good ones, just to give you an idea of, of what God asks us to do um, in worship. And, um, and I would go ahead and if you could, identify the one that's hardest for you. You say, you say well, Pastor, I don't know about kneeling or especially in a corporate worship set or or lifting my hands is kind of strange, or that shouting thing y'all do, you know? So I would find the one that's hardest for you, and I'd go ahead and do that one. So the other ones come easier. <laughs> Tackle the hardest one, man. Go get the thing. Because God asked you to, and because you're doing it out of obedience. We had a testimony first service before I get into these eight. Uh, Michael testified during the first service, and I'm going to do it for him because he's back in the back doing what they do back there, which is do some kind of debriefing about what God said and did in worship but, and, and, and what the message was in first service. But <clears throat> he was talking about how the Lord delivered him recently from an attitude and a, and, and a just a, a thing that he, has, he struggled with, which we all have a thing <laughs> that we're struggling with. And you, you better know that you've got a thing that you're struggling with because if you don't know you've got a thing, then you can't be delivered from the thing that you don't know you have. <laughs> right? So he's got this thing, you know, and, and he's fought it and fought it and fought it and fought it and, fought it, and finally... There was a couple of his friends confronted him with it. And Bethany is just having to suffer the consequences of Michael's hard-headedness. And, uh, and, and, he, and he weeps, he sees it, and he weeps, and he asks for deliverance. And how he testified that he was accused, he felt shame, there was all kind of thing that came on. And, and it was just, it was, he felt like there was a dark cloud over him, even during worship. And one Sunday they were, they were leading worship and Bethany sang that song, This Is How I Fight My Battles. And he put his guitar up. I don't know if you were here that Sunday. He put his guitar up and he started just dancing like crazy on the stage, thanking God for the victory that he was going to get before he got it. And the Lord delivered him. Now listen, because he did what the Lord said, after that they got pregnant. After that, they got their finances got in order, and they got money in the bank. They were able to go on vacation. They, they've done. They've done. The Lord's just blessed. They got a new car for for an incredible price in the in what the Lord gave them. They went through the process the way they were supposed to go through the process. It was just an amazing testimony of the goodness of God. It all happened when He danced His way to victory. 
And he began to declare it before he actually felt it. And he had to lead worship doing all this stuff. And now he believes about himself that he's so much better of a worship leader because he knows how to fight battles with you. And that's what the Christian life is. is. You know, I was reminded of the story. I ain't even got to my eight things yet. I'm going to get there. I got 11 minutes. I'm going to be good. <laughs> I was reminded of the story of Joshua and Caleb when they went into the promised land. And they came back in the report, and they went in with a, uh, 10 other guys. And they came back with a report that says, you know, there's, there's grasshoppers in the land. I mean, there's some big dudes in the land. I mean, they are really, really big. They are going to stomp us, 10 of them said. Well, Caleb did not deny the big dudes. So that's what you, that's what you need to hear. He didn't go, oh, there's not really any big dudes in the land. He didn't do that at all. He says, yeah, there's, there's some big dudes in the land, and we look like grasshoppers to them. But we serve a God who can take care of that. You know, and, and he ended up going into the promised land later, but he had to endure the ones who didn't have the faith to get in from the start. We had a prophetic word in the first service that talked about Paul and his thorn in the flesh. And he said he, said he believed that Paul uh, in his heart was thinking, you know, Lord, I've got this thorn in the flesh. If you take it from me, that's great. But if it causes me to not depend on you like I do now, Lord, don't, don't take that thorn. I, I, I want to learn how to depend on you. And if it takes the thorn, I'll keep the thorn. And so God says, this process is not because I'm a needy God. This process is a process of you learning how I design worship to usher in my presence so that, th so that the yokes could be broken, so that the kingdom could come, so that the promises of God could be released in your circumstances based on your dependence on me, your individual dependence on me. And then we get together corporately, and there should be a power that comes in that corporate setting that's, that'll blow the roof off this place, which it's doing. But the more and more we grow in our understanding of what God asks, the better off we're going to be. So let me give you eight real quick. And, and they, these are Hebrew words that God used, but he's using them to describe you know, what he's expecting of worship, what he's telling us to do through his word, and then... Uh, Paul backs all of these up in the epistles. I just didn't get all the scriptures that go with it. I just want you to get the basic ask of the Lord. And the first word is barak, which means to kneel or to bless God, to bow down. And so that particular posture, and that is saying he's going to say in a corporate setting, but that particular posture is on your knees with your hands lifted high, with your head extended toward heaven. That's what God's asking you to do. He tells, he tells you about himself that I am the lifter of your head. She, when you're talking about bowing down, God says, I'm the lifter of your head. Look to the heavens for where your help comes from. And this, this whole idea of Barak has, has the context of you're looking to heaven with your hands extended with thanksgiving and expectation of everything God promised. 
You're not coming to him as a beggar. You're coming to him as an expector. You've already done it. It's finished. The work is done. You're the redeemer. You're the healer. You're the one. You're, you're the sustainer. You're, you're the all in all. You've already got this thing done. You say about yourself, God, that if you're for me, who can be against me? You say, God, that you take everything the enemy uses for harm, and as we follow you, we, it's for good. <laughs> for all who love you and are called according to your way, who are obedient to you. And so, and so there's this place that God says, I want you to come, and it's, and it's a place of, of, of expectationally declaring and thanking God for what he's already accomplished and the promises that are provided for those who believe. He expects you to worship like that. He's waiting on you to worship like that. Isn't that interesting? How, how well do you do? How, how, well do you, how well do you do in your home? How, how well do you do in front of your wives and husbands and kids? Is, I mean, is, is, is this a normal posture? I mean, do, is this the atmosphere of the home? Are we American or are we sons and daughters? I mean, are we priests or are we... Beggars. I mean, God is saying, don't come to me as a beggar. Come to me as an expector. He says in Psalm 72, says, says about him, he will rescue the poor when they cry out to him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. It says, long live the king. May the gold of Sheba be given to him. May the people always pray for him to and bless him all day long, Psalm 72, 12 through 15. It means to bow down, to kneel before God. It communicates and hold on to the importance of us remembering that he is our source. It's not done out of begging. Rather, it's done out of an expectant attitude. So I pray right now. I pray that, that our go-to attitude wouldn't be negative. I pray that our go-to attitude wouldn't be not thinking of God's blessing in our life. Well, I'm just, that's just the way it is in my life. Our go-to attitude would be that of expectation that God's going to do something big. Barak. Halal is the next word. It means to clear, to shine, to boast, to show, to rave, to celebrate, to be calamorously foolish. That's what God asks. What you going to do with that? Some of you guys have got that down pat. Some of you got it down pat. Others of us aren't as good at it. We need to kind of release. Clamorously foolish to rave. Let me go back to grandkids and kids. How many grandparents do we have in here? Raise your hand. Do you have any trouble raving over your grandkids? <laughs> Not a bit, do you? Why? Because you know them. Because you love them. Because you're proud of them. Now, if you find a stranger or somebody you don't know, can you rave over them? Well, maybe how they look. Well, you look good. Well, what about the nature, the character, who they are, what they do, what they've accomplished? 
It's hard to rave over that if you don't know them. Well, let me just tell you what God is saying right here with Hillel is that he wants you to celebrate him. He wants you to rave over him. He wants you to boast on him. He wants you to be clamorously foolish about him because you know him so well. You can't do it lest you know him. And he knows that about you. And he's saying, I want this to be your posture and position before me because you can't do it unless you know me well. You've got to know me well to be able to accomplish that. Get to know me. Be able to be to, to rave over me. Isn't that interesting? God's asking you to do that. He's not asking you to be comfortable. He's asking you to rave over him. David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the ark of the Lord to invoke his blessings, to give thanks, and to praise the Lord, God of Israel. Happens all the time in Scripture where the people dance before God, celebrate, and rave over him. Matter of fact, it says do that in your families. How many of you rave over God with your children about God's history with you? God's done all this for me. Look what the Lord's done. Look what he's done. Do you rave over the Lord? Shabak, that means to shout loudly. He, he wants you to command and shout loudly. Come, everyone, clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise. Shabak, to shout loudly. I, I love that. I love that we do that here. I love that Michael asked us to do that. And, and that we can declare the Lord with confidence and command the good things of God over our lives. Great are you, O Lord. And greatly to be praised. Tehillah. Tehillah. I think that's how you do it. It's hard, folks. This is Hebrew. Come on. Give this redneck a, 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 a break. Anyway, that means to sing praises. Singing out of the Spirit spontaneously. He wants you to sing out of your Spirit spontaneously. How do you sing out of the Spirit spontaneously with, with, without knowing somebody or something or even having a familiar tune in your head where you can, uh, you can sing words to it. God, God is asking you to do that. Why? You have to ask yourself why. He's either a needy God or he knows that he wants to create intimacy in you so that you can actually say, Lord, I love you today because you're good to me all the time. You're great, oh God. You're greatly to be praised, Lord. Your mercies on you every day, God, they start with me fresh, and they never run out. Your grace is sufficient for every problem I face. Your power, oh God, working in my life, will do everything you send it to do. You don't have to be pretty. You just have to be intimate with God. How well are you doing it? Are you doing it? Are you refusing to do it because you're not comfortable with it? He's not asking you whether you're comfortable. He's asking you to do it because he knows it's going to create an intimacy with you that you can't get otherwise. Yes? Y'all say, Pastor, that's good stuff right there. <laughs> Toda, I guess. Toda. 
extending hands, acting out of thanksgiving for what has or will be done. Again, acting out of thanksgiving for what has or what will be done. Or thank you. I thank you for that. And then there's yada, which means extending hands vigorously. I love that. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. Yada means to extend your hands vigorously as in complete surrender. Somebody says, I'm uncomfortable extending my hands. I've never raised my hands in church. <laughs> I love it when preachers do this. Just put them right here. <laughs> I, did any of that that I just read sound like that? <laughs> it just didn't, did it? But I, feel, I feel better about that. Well, at least I got them up. I mean, <laughs> but what's God asking you to do, and why is he asking you to do it? I mean, you ever done that, man? How about the first time you lifted your hands and worshiped God? It was like, oh. Yeah. Like, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. Zamar, to touch the strings, to, to make music with instruments, mostly rejoicing. It means to, to play. You know, there's, there's there are traditions that don't allow musical instruments in church. It's crazy. How do they get that? I mean, it's just like nuts. How did we come up with that? How did we miss it that badly? Um, the other one is, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is how Michael's mother named him, McCole. That's, it actually means to dance before the Lord. Second um, Samuel six fourteen, uh, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, all his might. How many times you dance before the Lord with all your might? It's interesting, isn't it? Boy, we have a hard time with that, don't we? I mean, that'll stretch some people flat out. It just some of us. I look down at Rena, and some of us it doesn't stretch us out at all. <laughs> Raina, but, uh, go, Raina. But some of us it does, right? It's, but this is what the Lord, he says, this is what I want you to do. Let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with the, with the tambourine of the harp. Exodus 15 says the women of the Lord, Aaron's sister uh, and Miriam, uh, the prophet, broke out tambourines and started dancing and singing before God. And, and God was pleased. Psalm 150, 1 through 6 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for the acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with the timbrel and the dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the pipe. Praise Him with the clash of the cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And I say, praise the Lord. <laughs> it's, it's interesting what the Lord asks us to do. Now, now, the question is, there's way too many people with an attitude, especially when authority begins to bring it, that says, you can't make me. You can't make me. You can't make me do it. <laughs> I can't. And if I did, it wouldn't do any good. You got to do it out of love, not duty. It's got to be out of love and not duty. 
You've got to want to love God. You've got to want to be humble before God. You've got to want to be uh, obedient to what he asks you to do in worship. And so that's what we try to do. And I want to encourage you to just keep growing in your expression of worship. And, and listen, I was talking about Michael just a little bit ago. You've got places you need breakthrough in your life. You've got places you need victory in your life. Are you doing what God asks you to do to, to bring about the breakthrough? Are you just sitting there with your arms crossed and your lip poked out wondering why God ain't doing nothing? <laughs> well, I worshipped you last year and you didn't do anything I asked you to. So I'm done with you, God of the universe, creator of all things. We do it, don't we? God said, nah, that ain't going to work. But as soon as you do it the way I ask you to, watch the breakthrough, 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 blessing, promise, breakthrough, breakthrough. You learn how to fight. You fight your battles the way he asks you to. Amen? Stand with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God for a group of people who love your word. Thank you for a worship leader, God, who, who is attentive to you, God, who, who is obedient to you, who sees his, his, his place where you're working on him at the moment, God, and he, he learns how to deal with that, and he submits that to you, and he becomes obedient, and you bless him, and it teaches him how to fight so he can fight for us as he leads us in worship. Father, thank you that we got a congregation of believers who know that they need to express worship in a way and grow in that expression of worship in a way that you're asking. Father, I just pray and break any traditional denominational stronghold that doesn't align with your word. I break it right now in the name of Jesus. Father, every, every traditional denominational thing or thought that, that, that has come into the church that is contrary to what you ask us to do in your word, I pray, God, that it be broken in our hearts, broken in our thought patterns, Father, and we would adapt immediately your way. And, God, that that adaptation would bring freedom. I set before you today blessing and curses. You choose. You choose. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.